You know, we started talking uh, last week. Do you remember what our topic was? It's not real complicated to look on the thing here. Our attitude determines our altitude. You know, it's a wonderful thing that uh, our brother, in his little testimony, it's awesome when people have an attitude of prayer, an attitude of expectation, an attitude that God's going to do exactly what he says he's going to do. And uh, it, it does change things. Our attitude greatly impacts our life. It, it really does. You remember uh, last week, uh, our, our key uh, illustration, we were talking about the dog. You remember the farmer's dog? Fell in the well, you know, and he yelped and howled and, you know, carried on for some time. And then, you know, the dog was old, the well was old, and the farmer was just going to fill it in, shovel after shovel full of dirt, the dog's howling and yelping and carrying on and all. And then something happened. I don't know, maybe the dog just figured it out. It's like, then he started shaking that dirt off and stepping up on top of it. It changed his attitude. And, and I think what clicked inside of him, and I'm going to put words in, into a dog's brain there for a moment, but I think it's like, hey, send me down some more building material, you know. And uh, that dog shook off the, the dirt, and then he stepped up on it, and shook it off and stepped up on it. And he continued doing that until he stepped out of the well. And we see that dog's attitude. <laughs> Instead of being buried alive in a well... He shook it off. And you know, there's a lot of dirt comes our way. Somebody might have thrown some dirt at you or, or something. And it is a choice. Every one of us has that choice whether we're going to shake it off or are we going to let it bury us. And, and, and what we're talking about last week, what we're going to talk about this week, I'm telling you beyond a shadow of a doubt, if you haven't already understood it and got it working in your life, it will change your life. See, our attitude determines our altitude. That dog's attitude elevated him until he stepped right out of that well. And I'm talking about our attitude determines our spiritual altitude, how close we get to God. But not only that, our attitude determines your physical altitude, how healthy you will be. It determines your financial altitude, how, how wealthy you'll be. It determines your relational altitude, how well things will go with you and your spouse or your kids or your parents or your brothers and sisters and those in your work area, your, those in your family. I'm telling you, your attitude will dynamically impact the rest of you. And it will determine your spiritual, physical, financial, relational altitude. It genuinely will. And all we have to do is put it to the test. And what could bury you has the potential, you know, of elevating you to becoming more successful and more prosperous and healthier and blessed in your relationship if we handle it with the proper attitude. Um, the dog, his attitude determined his altitude, and it 
It raised him up. Charles Wendell, he once says, this may shock you, but I believe the single most significant decision I can make on a day-to-day basis is my choice of attitude. It is more important than my past, more important than my education, more important than my bankroll, my success or failures, more important than my fame or pain, more important than what other people think of me or say about me, more important than my circumstances or my position. Attitude is that single string that keeps me going or cripples my progress. It alone fuels my fire or assaults my hope. When my attitudes are right, there is no barrier too high, no valley too deep, no dream too extreme, no challenge too great for me. And that is true. This is not something to entertain us. This is something that if a man or woman, you know, here in the service downstairs in our cafe watching online, up in the back, if a man or woman will apply the principles that we learn in God's word, it will transform your life for the better. That's just the way it is. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22 says, Throw off your old evil nature and your former way of life. Now, I want you to see it from a physical as well as a spiritual application here, okay? Throw off your old evil nature and your your former way of life. See, what was part of us yesterday and the day before? and I'm talking about of our physical body, has now become waste and must be put out of us. You, you understand that? What would happen if we never got rid of any waste? We would die. That's just the truth of it. That's just in, a, in the natural way of looking at it, you know. What kept me alive yesterday or the day before, a lot of that's become waste and I need to throw it off. But listen to it from a spiritual as well as a physical perspective. Throw off your old, the evil nature, and your former way of life, which is rotten through is rotten through and through, the scriptures tells us. And then as we look at verse 23, it says, Instead, there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes. I don't know if you've experienced that spiritual renewal, you know, of your thoughts and attitudes yet. But when you receive a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes, it affects you in all areas of your life. Not only spiritual, because the spiritual impacts the natural, the physical, the financial, the relational. It affects you in every way. But he says, instead, there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes. Hmm. Now, when you go and have uh, your lunch today, that physical food that you eat, it's going to renew your, your strength and your energy, does it not? It does. Physically, it does it right away. You know, you take it in, you eat it, and you re- Now, how often do you need to renew your strength and your energy? Like once a month? Every day, how often? Three to five times? 
Some say, oh, that's, not, that's too few. <laughs> how many of you, uh, how many of you are like, let's just say pizza of some kind, no matter what kind it is, but how many of you like a pizza? I like gluten-free pizza, you know? Now, just because it renewed my strength and my energy a couple weeks ago, does that mean that I, I might would still like pizza today? Or can I possibly be renewed with food well enough that I won't ever need them anymore? You know? No, I mean, we get a gluten-free pizza and, and we eat it, and after everybody's gone to bed, I sneak back to the refrigerator. <laughs> I like it cold. It's fine, you know? Got to renew my strength, you know? Well, I wish we had the same heart and the attitude about renewing our thoughts and our attitudes to renew it. And, and, and God's word will help us to do that. But let me read it again and we'll move on. Throw off your old evil nature and your former uh, way of life, which is rotten through and through, full of lust and deception. Instead, there must be a spiritual, there must be a spirit, there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes. It needs to be renewed. Like you have to renew your physical strength and energy. You have to do that or you eventually will die. And we have to renew our thoughts and our attitudes. We have to do that. And I just want you to understand, it's a, it's a choice that you will make. Nobody can make it for you and no circumstances will ever justify. Some people try to, well, you just don't know what happened when I was growing up and that's why my attitude, no, no, that don't work. You, you, you can't cough out like that. Well, I had a flat tire, and, and because of the economy and because of our, our legal system or our political system, you don't know about my family. It's like, it don't matter. Your attitude is your choice. And you can either be buried by the dirt that's stowed at you, or you have the choice to shake it off and step upon it and use that which seems to be so bad, and it will elevate you, you know, bring greater altitude in all the areas of your life. Um, <clears throat> Dr. S.I. McMillan said, my attitude determines whether grief causes a disease, this is a MD, a medical doctor, he says, my attitude determines whether grief will cause a disease in me or a glorious and everlasting reward. You mean, based upon my attitude, if I experience grief, loss of a loved one, loss of a job, loss of something, and my grief can either cause a disease or bring about a glorious reward? Yes, that's exactly what he said. A medical doctor, that's what he said. Hmm. William James said, people can alter their lives by altering their attitude. Somebody, well, it's just my attitude, like it or not. It's like, well, no, you chose it. Some people like a bad attitude, don't they? You're not going to steal my bad attitude, but I'm going I'm to just wallow in it for a while. But you made that choice, you see. An attitude, I don't care about what happened to your family, your finances, your health. I don't care how bad things may be, you yet have a choice to shake it off and to get on top of it and allow it to bring about a 
altitude, you know, increase. Or don't shake it off and just allow it to bury you in alive in the bottom of that well. So it is a choice. A teacher was helping a kindergarten student put on his cowboy boots. Even with her pulling and him pushing, the little boots didn't want to go on. By the time they got the second boot on, she had worked up a sweat. She almost cried when the little boy said, Teacher, they're on the wrong feet. <laughs> she looked, and sure enough, they were. It wasn't any easier pulling the boots off than it was putting them on. She managed to keep her cool as together they worked to get the boots back on the right feet. He then announced, these aren't my boots. <laughs> the little guy, she bit her tongue rather than get right in his face to scream, why didn't you say so? <laughs> Once again, she struggled to help him pull off the boots. No sooner had they gotten the boots off when he said, they're my brother's boots. My mom made me wear them. <laughs> now, she didn't know if she should laugh or cry, but she mustered up what grace and courage she had left to wrestle the boots back on his feet again. <laughs> Helping him get into his coat, she asked, now where are your mittens? And he said, I stuffed them in the toes of my boots. <laughs> now, this woman had a choice. And you know, Susan has told me this quite often, during our marriage, and uh, she has a choice based upon me. I'm not the most perfect guy to live with, apparently. You know, I thought I was, but. <laughs> but she has a choice based upon things that go on that she can either laugh or cry. I mean, that, that's two extremes, is it not? And, and I'm going to say 98% of the time, maybe 99.9, she chooses to laugh when she could cry based on something stupid I might have did or something or another. Did you know that you had a choice to laugh or cry? Yeah. Even if some little kid does you something like this cowboy boot thing, you have a choice. It's your choice. And you can cop out and go, well, it's because of his boot. No, has nothing to do with that. You had a choice. And that choice will elevate you if you choose a good attitude. And that choice can actually just bury you if you have a bad attitude and you will not succeed and, and, and reach your full potential that God is destined for you if you choose a bad attitude. And attitude is all about choice, your choice. It really is. John Powell said, attitudes are capable of making the same experience either pleasant or painful. Have you ever heard birds singing on a beautiful summer sunshiny day you ever heard birds singing on a dreary rainy day they sing the same has nothing to do with the circumstances out there and we could be convicted all of us could be convicted by that 
has nothing to do with circumstances. We can rejoice. We really genuinely can. We can choose. I'm going to have a good attitude. That's your choice. Nobody can force it on you. Now, let me ask you, do you have buttons that people can push? Have you ever had anybody push your buttons? Do you know something? We can make a choice where you ain't messing with my buttons, man. We can choose to turn the other cheek. We can choose to have positive attitude. It is a choice that Almighty God has given to you and to me. Let me give you the definition of attitude. The word attitude, it means a state of mind, a disposition, an outlook, a, a mental state, a mindset, a, a perspective. This is talking about attitude. It's, it's a position, a, a temperament, a view. Now, is your attitude positive or negative? You don't have to answer that out loud. The people sitting close to you already know the answer. <laughs> Let me read you James chapter 1, verse 2. Dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity. What does it say? For joy. Now, let me ask you, is joy positive or negative? It's positive. So he's saying here, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity to be positive. Let it be an opportunity for joy. You have a choice to rejoice. You, <coughs> excuse me, have a choice to operate in the supernatural. And I'm not... I'm not taking that out of its proper context. Sometimes people want to see something supernatural, and I'm telling you, a man or a woman who can have trouble, who can rejoice, is beginning to operate in the supernatural, and it opens up the door for more blessings to come your way. It's natural when trouble comes your way to complain and to fuss and moan and groan. That is so natural. But when we begin to learn how to have the attitude of Christ, and that's what the, the, the Bible tells us to do, have the attitude of Christ, have the same attitude that Christ had. When we choose that, you have chosen to operate in the supernatural. It changes things. It puts you in a whole different sphere. And, and prayers are easier answered when you're operating in the supernatural. Blessings are a whole lot easier to come your way when you choose. You choose to rejoice. When you choose to have a good attitude, you choose, I'm just going to shake this dirt off. I'm not going to let it cling to me. I'm going to shake it off and I'm going to step up on top of it. You see, that's, that's, that's the truth of it. Brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy, an opportunity to rejoice. But that ain't natural. When you go out in the parking lot and you got a flat tire, do you think, oh, man, this is awesome. This is wonderful. <laughs> no. When you choose to rejoice, you, and, and I'll just kind of teach you how you can do it, you go, thank you, Lord, that we weren't in an accident because the tire lost its air. Right? Lord, you are so faithful. You're awesome. You're wonderful. Right? What would happen if it had blown out going down the highway at 65 miles an hour, maybe? You can rejoice Instead of having a bad attitude, you can choose to have a good attitude. 
There is a very little difference in people, so says this article. But that little difference makes a big difference. The little difference is attitude. The big difference is whether it is positive or negative. And you make that choice every day, multiple times a day, whether you're going to have a good attitude or a bad attitude. And blame it on somebody or something else if you wish. But that is false. You made the choice. Nobody else did it. You make the choice. And you will experience altitude. You'll you know, receive success in all these other areas of your life if you choose to have a good attitude. Uh, Charles Swindle said, Words can never adequately convey the incredible impact of our attitude toward life. The longer I live the more convinced I become that life is 10% what happens to us and 90% of how we respond to it. So how do you respond when trouble comes your way? Think about it. How do you respond? You can respond positively or negative. You can respond joyfully or not. You can respond by shaking the trouble off, shaking the dirt off and stepping on it. Or you can respond by just letting the dirt just bury you alive. The choice is yours. The choice is yours. And the dog can say, well, that farmer, he should have never left the well open. And after, he should have worked harder to try to get me. He could have said all kinds of things as he was being buried alive in the well. But he didn't. He shook it off. He chose a different, he shook off the dirt, stepped up on top of it, as you and I both can do. <clears throat> My husband, Mike, and I had been married only a few months when we had a major argument. In a fit of rage, I stormed onto our back porch and I called my parents in Michigan, letting them know I'd be on the first flight out of Philadelphia. I expected them to say, of course, come on home, honey. Instead, my father informed me that was not an option. You've never told me I couldn't come home. Why are you being so unfair, I shouted. Jamie, can you imagine dads telling your daughter she couldn't come home? That's got to be tough. Jamie, your gut reaction has always been to bail when things get difficult, he said. Your marriage vows were for better or worse. Until death do you part. I know you didn't think the for worse part was going to come so soon, but it did. And you need to learn how to deal with it. You're not welcome in our home under these circumstances. You need to work things out with Mike. After I hung up, I reluctantly grabbed my Bible and I opened it to Genesis 2.24. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they will become one flesh. As I meditated on this scripture, I realized my impulse to run home when Mike and I fought is disobedient to God. Sticking with my husband isn't something I do only when I feel like it. It's God's will for my marriage. I broke down in tears. This time, in joy for a father who knew what was best for me 
and pointed me to God. I went inside truly broken at the way I had treated Mike. And after a brief internal tug of war, I sat down humbly and I explained the phone conversation I had just had. I'm sorry. Mike, I turned to my parents instead of you. From now on, I promise I won't turn, I won't try to run home when things between us get tough. I still miss my parents. Living with them made me feel safe. And some days it's difficult. Knowing I'll never have that same security again. But I'm learning that's not necessarily bad. Because in leaving my parents, I experienced the joy that comes from cleaving only to my husband. And in doing that, I'm pleasing God. See, there's a choice. There's a choice that she made. An attitude is a choice. An attitude will determine your altitude spiritually, physically, financially, and relationally. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 says, That is why we never give up. What a great attitude. What a great attitude for any man, woman, boy, or girl to have. It's like, I just don't give up. He said, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Verse 17 says, for our present troubles, and most people, if you give them a chance to talk about their present troubles, they're really bad, they're really big, they're monsters like, but it says, for our present troubles are quite small and won't last very long. Yet they, the troubles, the troubles, yet they produce, like, like the trouble, the dirt coming on the dog, yet they produce for us, really, troubles produces an opportunity for you and me to trust God. Troubles gives us an opportunity to gain altitude in whatever area of life that we need it the most. Troubles gives us an opportunity to operate in the supernatural. When we would rather fuss and cuss and gripe and complain, we choose to rejoice. Operating in the supernatural causes our prayers to be a whole lot more welcome and answered. And the blessings of God find their way to us a whole lot better, easier, when we got a good attitude versus having a bad attitude. You know, troubles the dog had had actually provided him an escape, did it not? If the farmer had never thrown any dirt in there, he would have just died of starvation and all down in that well. But that which he thought was so bad at first, it's just like turned out to, wow, is it possible that the trouble that comes your way could turn around and become a blessing? Is it possible? Absolutely. And I appreciate the three of you who said, yeah. <laughs> that is the truth of it, you see. Well, let me read verse 17 one more time. It says, for our present troubles are quite small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us an immeasurably great glory. And that word glory is just talking about an honor, a great glory that will last forever. There is a tendency to magnify our problems, but if you're going to magnify something, magnify God because he can change your problems. He can change your troubles. He really can. Picking up in verse 18 here, listen to what it says. <clears throat> so we don't look at the troubles we can see 
right now. Now, we're tempted to, are we not? You got some serious trouble there? It's just to stare at it and stare at it and stare at it and stare at it. But have you ever noticed that just staring at a problem or trouble, it don't make it go away? He says, so we don't look at troubles we can see right now. Rather, we look what? Forward. That's talking about faith. Looking forward. When you're out there on a chilly early morning, Saturday morning out in your yard and you're planting little seeds and things in the ground and you're thinking, well, it might snow tonight, you know. For you to be putting plants in the ground, little seeds in the ground, is an indication you got faith. You're looking forward to warmer weather, to eating fresh tomatoes and corn and and squash and cucumbers and, and things like that. He says here, so we don't look at the troubles we can see right now. Rather, we look forward to what we have not seen yet. We're looking forward to the spiritual altitude we'll gain. The physical altitude, the financial altitude, the relational altitude that we will gain. So so we don't look at the troubles we can see right now. Rather, we look forward to what we have not yet seen. For the troubles we see will soon be over. Could we say that out loud together? Let's just read it out loud together. It says, for the troubles we see will soon be over. Let's do it one more time. For the troubles we see will soon be over. Now, you know, I don't know if you remember or not, we read that out loud last week. You know we did? That's why we need a little refresher. This is something that's so vitally important. We can't let this slip by. The troubles we see will soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever. See, our outlook will determine the outcome. If you've got a positive outlook, you're going to have a positive outcome. And if you've got a negative outlook, you'll probably have a negative outcome. You make a choice about your attitude, and it determines your altitude, whether it's a high altitude or a below sea level altitude. You know, it's a choice that we make. God transforms trouble into triumph when our attitudes are right. It's not what happens to me that matters the most, but how you and I react to what happens to us. Philippians. Now, Philippians is a, is a verse that I've read many, many a time. But I want you just to hear it again for the kind of the first time. It says your attitude should be the same that Christ Jesus had. That really seems simple. Oh, your attitude should be the same that Christ Jesus had. Your attitude should be the same that Christ Jesus had. Hmm. But I got to read his book. I got to learn about his attitude so I can make better choices. And I'm learning about his attitude as I go through this book. And it's like, okay, I'm going to try that. Have you ever learned something from somebody else? And then all you, let me tell you, so-and-so taught me how to do it, and it just changed everything? Well, we can learn a lot from Jesus about attitudes. And the Bible says your attitude should be the same that Christ Jesus had. And when you go, well, I can't do that. Yes, you can. My Bible says I can do all things through... uh, Christ, who strengthens me. 
It says here in Isaiah 40, verse 31, but those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. Those who wait. How many of y'all enjoy waiting? People don't like waiting. That's why they go through the drive-through of this and the drive-through of that. I want it now. That is our tendency, anyhow. But he says, those who wait, and let me explain this word wait. This is talking about falconry. You understand if people who've got a falcon, it's like a little small hawk, and they've trained it, and they'll release it. And it'll fly up above, and they go walking through the big, beautiful fields and meadows, through the briar patches, and they'll kick around there. And the falcon is flying up, and, and then this falcon, wherever the master is at, that falcon will kind of go through this little figure-eight motion with his wings, and he'll hover, waiting for the springing up of the game. A pheasant's going to be flushed, and that falcon will dive down and catch the pheasant, bring it back to the master. Or there goes a rabbit. That falcon will come down. You know, he's got these talons. Grab that rabbit, bring it back to the master. Well, that's what he's doing. He's remaining in readiness. He's not like buying a lazy boy, covering up with a blanket. Well, I'm just waiting on God here, you know. <clears throat> no, he's working. He's doing his part, remaining in readiness. The same way you go out to eat and you have a, a, a good waitress, you know, and she sits you and she brings you some water and your utensils and all takes order quick as you can, brings the kids some crayons to play with for something or another, brings your food back. She's checking on you. Would you like something else? You want some, would you like a little bit more drink? Oh, she saw the kid drop his fork. She was right there, man. She was remaining in readiness to serve. Not, not complaining or fussing or just raining, waiting to, to serve, remaining in readiness. And that's what this is talking about. Those who wait on the Lord, who, who are patient, and if you're complaining while you're waiting, it don't count. It don't count. It doesn't. If you're patient while you're waiting, you know, and you're rejoicing and you're positive, that's what it counts. And the waitress knows, I'll get a better tip that way too. And you and I, when we remain in readiness with the right attitude, we'll get greater blessings from Almighty God. So he says, but those who wait on the Lord... There, they'll find new strength, new strength, and they will fly high. Oh, this is talking about altitude. Those who wait on the Lord, they're not impatient with God. God, I need it right now. You probably never pray that way, do you? Somebody be holding your head down. How come? <laughs> but those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. They will fly high. On wings like eagles. Eagles, you understand, they do gain altitude, you know? And, and, and when storms come by, and I'm even talking about hurricane-forced storms. You know, eagles live outside. They can't check into a motel when a storm comes by. They sit out and grab a hold of a limb. But when hurricane-forced storms are coming by and the eagle's out there flying around, he doesn't flee 
from the storm. Now, if he goes through that hurricane, it can pluck all of his feathers off, and he'll come crashing down to the earth. But what an eagle will do, the same way when he dives after his, catching his prey, he'll lock his wings to dive, he does the same thing. He looks up, not at the storm, but above the storm, and locks his wings. Now, you probably know what I'm talking about here. How many of you as a child, or even as an adult, ever rolled the window down in your car and you put your hand out as you're going somewhere. What happens when you point it up? You ever do that? Anybody do that other than me? Anybody? Okay, I'm not the only one. All right. Well, that's what an ego does. He looks up. He, he locks his wings. He locks them in, and the force of the storm hits him, and he goes over top of the storm, no matter how high it is, and he breaks through in sunlight above the storm. In the sunlight. The storm did not destroy him. The storm caused him to gain altitude. It says, Those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. They will fly high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. See, that's what a good attitude will do for you, it'll sustain you. You can run and not be weary. A good attitude will sustain. You can run and not be weary. You can walk and not faint. Uh, 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 and out, the, the altitude of a good attitude is you can run and you can walk and you can just keep, you've got sustaining power, man. And that which comes and others allow to destroy them because of a bad attitude, it just catapults you over top of the storm. He don't look at a storm, he looks above it. I remember a guy in the Bible, I think his name was Peter. Jesus beckoned him to come and walk on the water with him. Get out of a perfectly sound, solid boat and take a walk on the water. But what did Peter do after he was out there for a while? What did he do? He started looking at the storm. And he sank. He lost altitude. Because he got his eyes off of Jesus and got his eyes on the storm, you see. And it says those who wait on the Lord, they'll find new strength. They'll fly high on wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll, they'll walk and they'll not faint. See, attitude determines your altitude, and it is your choice. And you cannot blame it on anybody else. You cannot. It is nobody else's responsibility. Your attitude is your choice. Always has been, always will be. Even if you ignore it, it's still true. <laughs> That's just the way it is. Genesis chapter 15, verse 5 says, Then the Lord brought Abram outside beneath the night sky and, they, and, and told him, Look up into the heavens and count the stars if you can. Your descendants will be like that. Too many to count. Now Abraham didn't have no kids. And God's saying, you're going to have more kids than the number of stars you can see up there. Verse 6. And Abram believed the Lord. Wow. And that makes for the best attitude, faith. When you believe what God says, it changes things. When you believe God, see... A doubtful attitude, a fearful attitude, it don't help us. 
But a man or a woman who has a prayerful, faith-filled attitude, it changes things. And it says in verse 6, And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord declared him righteous because of his faith. And see, Abraham's faith, his name was changed from Abram to Abraham. The word Abraham means the father of many nations. God changed it from just Abram to Abraham. And his faith determined his attitude. And his attitude determined his altitude. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 15, it says, Then Abraham, what's that word? He waited impatiently. Oh, I'm sorry. Then Abraham waited patiently. That would have been one for rejoicing and being positive about things. Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God had promised. Abraham received everything that God had promised because he believed God. He had an awesome, fantastic, wonderful attitude because of his relationship with God. And see, God wants to be our Savior, everybody on the planet. Listen to what he says here in Isaiah 45, 22. Let all the world, God's talking, let all the world look to me for salvation. For I am God, and there is no other. There's not multiple choice which God you believe in. There is one God, only, only one. He alone brings salvation. And he invites us all to look to him. He invites us. Listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, this is talking about all of our loved ones who have passed on before us, who are absent from the body and present with the Lord, those who are in the grandstands, they've run their race, and now they're cheering us on as we run ours. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Oh, excuse me, I forgot something. <clears throat> now, we can start with the front... Uh, line of chairs and everybody can come and we're going to weigh everybody <laughs> somebody said that ain't going to happen <laughs> there's only one guy in the last service who's ah, he was doing really good you know, he's like <laughs> there's only one who volunteered to get weighed if I could weigh the things in your life that weigh you down. If I could identify those things, and then we could periodically weigh and see how you're doing with your attitude. Bad attitude weighs you down. You are much too heavy to gain altitude with a bad attitude. It says here, Hebrews 12, 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight. Let us... Let us do it. We're the ones who's going to do it. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. 
especially the sin. And if it's slowing you down, I'm telling you, sin, it just weighs us down. It causes us to have a bad attitude. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. It hinders us from gaining altitude. That attitude I have, it's weighing me down. And boy, if we could weigh ourselves on a spiritual level every day and see how's my attitude doing today. Oh, wow, I'm, I'm much lighter. I'm going to gain some altitude today because I'm stripping that bad attitude. I, I'm stripping that off of me that's weighing me down and hindering me. So he says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. There's two things he said to do here in these, this passage, verse 1. He says, strip off all the weight that, and, and sin. And it's the same. Strip it off because it's hindering your progress. Slowing you down. He says, strip it off. And then he says, run with endurance, with stamina, the race that God chose for you. And then we can say, well, how do we do this? And then verse 2 tells us how to do it. He says, we do this. We strip off the weight. We do this. We run with endurance. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Like Peter on the water. Just keep your eyes on Jesus and, and you're not going to lose altitude. Like the eagle, he just keeps looking above the storm, looking up. And even the troubles that come that looks like it could destroy him, catapult him higher and higher and higher, you see. He says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from start to finish. Jesus, the Bible tells us, is the author. He gets us started. And the finisher, he's there when we cross the finish line. He's often the finisher of our faith. And he says here, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. That's how we strip off the weight. That's how we run with endurance. And, and, and sometimes we're going to his word. And we're, oh, wow, and he reveals himself to us in his word. And when we sing and when we praise and worship and when we pray and, and we're keeping our eyes on him, not on the trouble that comes. We're not magnifying the trouble. <clears throat> we're not magnifying the dirt. We're shaking that off. You see, stepping up on it and keeping our eyes on Jesus. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from start to finish. He was willing to die. Jesus was. A shameful death on the cross because of the joy he knew would be his afterwards. See, he had faith. He knew that this trouble of going to the cross was going to turn out awesome and fantastic. And, and that which tried to discourage him on the cross, he shook it off and shook it off and stepped up on it. And three days later, he just stepped out of the grave. He stepped up. And we call that the resurrection. He was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy he knew would be his afterwards. You, you know, uh, what was it Jeremiah tells us? 
God says, I know the plans I have for you. They are good. They're not evil. They're to give you hope and give you a future. We can have a good attitude. I don't care what's going on around about us because God's in control. It's my favorite verse. I know that all things are going to work together for good for those who love him and are called to his purpose. And if you've been around here very long, you've probably heard me say, and I believe it to the core of my being, that the best is yet to come. When you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, the best is truly yet to come. It really is. And it says here, he was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy he knew would be his afterwards. Now he, Jesus, is seated. We talk about altitude. He is seated in the place of highest honor beside God's throne in heaven. Now, I want to read a, a verse. And this is like, this verse is like pizza, okay? This verse is like pizza because we've eaten pizza before. We've eaten pizza again. I can't wait to have another pizza pizza in the future, okay? It's good. No, I, I, you know, you might memorize this verse. You might be able to give me the Greek words for this verse and explain it. But I want right now, I want us to look at it like you're starving and you've got your favorite flavor of pizza in front of you. Though you've already eaten pizza many times before, I want us to look at it like I never saw it before, okay? It's still good, even though you may have had this verse before. And it says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, No, dear friends, I am still not all I should be. Apostle said that. Well, I can say that as well. I'm sure not all that I should be. Is there anybody here today who has arrived? Whether you're in here or downstairs or you're online watching or up in the is anybody here? Just raise your hand if you have, that you've already arrived. I mean, you have reached perfection. Well, I know you haven't, but what about somebody else? <laughs> I don't see any hands. Okay, so we're on this thing together here. He says, no, dear friends, I am still. I've been trying, but I'm still not all I should be, but I am focusing. How much? All my energies on what? This one thing. Here's where my energies are being focused right now, and that's on forgetting the past, forgetting the negative, looking toward the positive. I'm focusing all my energies on this one thing, forgetting the past. Now, what is that song that a lot of people, you know, uh, it's not necessarily a Christian song. It's just a kind of a patriotic song or just a people song that we sing around New Year's. Old Lang Syne. You, you know what that means? This is literally the words for Auld Lang Syne. It means old, long ago. Better translated, and I have it actually written out in its original language, but better translated, times gone by. Now, when New Year's comes around, you surely want to remember your friends. You sure want to remember those things. But when it comes to our past that holds us down, the Bible tells us, 
I am still not all I should be, but I am focusing. I am focusing. I am focusing all my energies on this one thing. I am forgetting the past. I am forgetting the old long ago. I am forgetting the times gone by. And I'm looking forward. Forward is faith. I'm looking to the future. I'm looking forward. And I'm looking forward to what lies ahead. I'm looking unto Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of my faith, you see. And you can't move forward unless you look forward. Now, we can experiment with this in just a few moments. When you get ready to leave, you get in your automobile, you get out on Route 10, and you start. And then, I want you to look back. And go on. It won't be long for we'll receive a phone call to visit you in the hospital. Because you cannot go forward while you're looking backward. Is that right? Now you look forward. Hey, you got mirrors. You take a little glimpse here and there. But your main focal point is forward. You're looking to where you hadn't been yet today. You're looking into the future where you will be. And he says here in his word, I am focusing all my energies on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. A caterpillar must forget the comfort of that little old dark, dingy-looking black hole called a cocoon. He's got to forget that if he wants to experience altitude as he flies around in the beautiful sky and all of the flowers and he's gaining altitude he's got to forget that old cocoon behind him doesn't he do you think he ever saying boy i sure wish i could go back to my little cocoon i don't think he ever thinks that way if he wants to gain the altitude that god has in store for him he's got to forget what's behind you know, I know it's been years ago, it's probably been 30 years ago, I was reading this article about this pastor, and somebody had a little cabin, you know, on this lake, and they invited the pastor to go take a little, uh, a little retreat there. He took his Bibles and a few books and all, and one morning he got up, and there's not a soul anywhere around. He got up and walked out there on the, the, uh, the meadow out there in front of a beautiful lake, and he just sat on the ground and he just laid back, put his hands behind his head, and he just looked up at the sky and a few white fluffy clouds that was going by. The, out in the lake was a, an island, and on the island was a big old dead tree. And as he's just laying there, just taking it all in, just ah, breathing fresh air, just enjoying it immensely, he saw something move on the old dead tree. And, and there had been an eagle perched on that old limb of the dead tree. The whole time, but when the eagle turned his head, was kind of preening his feathers a little bit, it caught this guy's attention. And he's watching. And then all of a sudden, out of the clear blue, the eagle, with tremendous amount of energy and effort, he lunges off of the limb. The limb's kind of bouncing there from the, the weight of his push, and he's pounding the air with these massive wings, much further than my arms can reach out to, pounding the air, pounding the air, 
tremendous effort, beating the air, beating the air, gaining just a little bit of altitude with every flap of those wings, pounding the air, gaining just a little bit of altitude. And then as that eagle continued to pound away and pound away and pound away, then he caught a thermal. These, these warm thermals of, of air that was coming under him, and never again did that eagle flap his wings. He just began to soar, and he began to circle. The, this pastor was watching the, the, the eagle, and the eagle had exerted tremendous amount of effort and, and, and strength, as you and I must do when we choose a good attitude. That's our part. But then he caught the, the thermals, he caught the wind, and the eagle began to just spiral upward. Never flapped his wings, not one time. And he began to gain altitude, and he climbed higher and, and higher and higher and, and higher. And it took some time as the eagle continued to spiral higher and higher and higher. And in this area, there were no clouds to block the view. As the eagle continued riding these thermals, it completely disappeared from the man's sight. As if it's like, did I just imagine this? Or is there really an eagle up there somewhere? And I'm telling you, you do your part. You choose to have a good attitude. And it's work. Yeah, you got to pound. You got to exert a tremendous amount of effort to choose the right attitude. And you do your part, and then all of a sudden, the wind of the Holy Spirit comes underneath you. And it bears you up. And no longer is it a struggle to have a good attitude anymore. You begin to soar. You begin to soar. You begin to soar and you're gaining altitude without any effort on your own part anymore. But you had to start it. You had to make the right choice. You had to do your part. And then God does his part. And I really believe with all my heart, you and I can make a choice today that I'm going to have a good attitude no matter what. I choose a good attitude. Nobody's pushing my buttons. I choose a good attitude and I'm going to gain spiritual altitude. I'm going to be close to God. I'm going to gain physical altitude. I'm going to be healthier than I was in the past. I'm going to gain financial altitude. I'm going to have a little bit more left than I used to so I can help other people now. I'm going to gain relational altitude the relationships with my spouse, with my kids, with my parents, with my siblings, my relationship's going to be better. I'm going to gain altitude there. I do my part. I'm going to have a good attitude. And God will raise us up to an amazing, awesome, fantastic altitude in him. But the choice is yours. Let's bow our heads if we could. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ the name that is above every other name. Thank you for giving us your word so we can learn about Jesus' attitude. We can learn his thoughts and his ways and adapt them as our very own. Adopt them as our very own. Partake of them as our very own. Forgive us, Father, for the times that we've chosen a bad attitude. Forgive us when we've been negative. Forgive us when we've been doubtful and fearful we choose this day to be faithful to you we want to mount up with wings as eagles we want to be catapulted over top of the storms we want our troubles 
to provide the opportunity for our escape from them. And we determined this day we're going to continue to shake off the dirt that comes our way. We're going to step up on it and gain altitude and get free. As our heads are bowed right now, I'd ask you if you would join me in a simple prayer. A prayer to reaffirm our faith in Christ. Or maybe you're here today and you've never welcomed Christ into your life. Would you join us? Would you invite him into your life? He'll never force his way in. But he'll come if you invite him. So would you join me right now as we pray, reaffirming our faith or inviting him in for the first time? Can we pray together right now? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. That's why you sent your son. And I believe that Jesus died in my place. And I believe he rose from the dead. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. I open wide those doors. And I welcome Jesus as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my King. I'm sorry for my sinful life. I'm sorry for my bad attitudes. And I receive your forgiveness. Help me, almighty God. To maintain a good attitude like Christ had. And help me, Father, to gain altitude. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, before we leave, just one, one thought here. And that is your weekly challenge. And if you choose, just check it off. If you agree with it, drop it in the tithe box there. And it says... I'm determined to learn God's attitude from his word, which produces faith, which produces the right attitudes in me, and therefore it produces spiritual, physical, financial, and relational altitude. If you agree with that, and you might want to just think about it a little while because it's kind of tricky there, think the ramifications of what you're reading. If you choose to have a good attitude, I'm going to tell you, you will benefit by it. And those around you will benefit by it. There's nothing wrong with understanding that and knowing that you're beginning to walk in the spirit and no longer just walking after the flesh. It'll change your life. Listen, if you prayed with me just a, a moment ago, uh, please stop at the Connections desk. Pick up a little gift bag we put together. It's got a Bible. It's got some goodies that would inspire your faith. And all of you who are guests with us today, just let them know how I'm a guest. We've got a nice little gift we want to give you. Just our way of saying thanks for coming and joining us today, and we sure hope you come back. And if you need some prayer, there'll be folks around the altar who will pray with you. And I'm going to tell you, if you've got a positive attitude, the chance of your prayers being answered is higher than when you've got a negative attitude. Did you know that? You're anticipating that God's going to do what he says he's going to do. And God answers prayers all the time. We see it all the time. So if you need some prayer, please come and take advantage of that. And uh, let's see, was there anything else I need to do? Oh, remind you, uh, you know, thank God for all of you who have already signed up for VBA. We appreciate that. But go ahead and get your names in there so we can get you your place where you're going to serve and all that. And, and we'll plan our meeting that we're going to have not too far in the future. And get all the kids signed up that you can. I'm telling you, these kids' lives will be forever changed. 
They will come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior during VBA. That will happen. And it will change them forever. That, that's for sure. So please sign up and, and let us know uh, who's coming, who's going to be there, and so forth. And I think that's pretty much it. Would you greet one another on your way out? God bless you. Unless you want to come way in, you're dismissed. <laughs>